We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net and CLNS Media. Joining me, as always, is the one and only my main man, my brother from another mother, my pal from another gal, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, man? Alex, I am jacked up. We are less than a week from the opener of the regular season against the Pistons. Pacer, just nation, everything. Pacer basketball is flowing through my veins right now. I could not be more excited. I'm feeling good about this upcoming season. Oh, me too, man. I'm working on the Pacers-Pistons preview for PacersTalk.net, and I've literally about like seven or eight paragraphs into it, and I'm just so pumped for it. Just things that I'm looking forward to seeing and the, the difficulties that will be in that game. I feel like defensively and offensively, just looking at different scenarios, what's going to happen. But anyway, we made some transactions today. Uh, Pacers keeping busy with that that roster of theirs. So, what moves did they make? So Pacers made a few moves, had to trim down that roster a little bit. They uh, released Amita Brima, C.J. Wilcox, and Walter Lemon Jr. Walter's stay was very short with the Pacers. Um, I think he's going to be going down to the G League as well as a, a few of those. Um, I think Brimo we might see in the G League, but uh, Stefan Hicks was a guy that the Pacers just signed. He was with uh, the Mad Ants for the last four years. Uh, interesting move. They signed him today. Uh, not sure if we'll ever see him on the actual roster, 
But uh, those were the few moves as the regular season uh, approaches. Uh, the Pacers had to trim down that roster a little bit. Yeah, so I think that puts them at 18 guys with the addition of what, – what was his name again? I'm sorry. Stephon Hicks. <laughs> yeah, okay. He'll be a G League player. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, yes, yes. I, I already forgot. I've seen his name like three times on social media, and I still forgot his name. So I apologize. No no offense. But they, they have 17 currently on the roster Then I think – uh, yes. The two two-way contracts, uh, Bowen, and who is the other contract, the two-way contract? Uh, at the moment, not sure. Either. It's driving me crazy because they got rid of Jakeen and Grant. Let me see. I'll look it up if you don't get if you don't beat me to it. Yeah, no, they, they definitely got rid of Jakeen and Grant. Um, let's see. Uh, Nas Metro Long, I believe. Yeah, so. that's it. That's it, I that think, because I don't remember yep. him getting released. No, he so, didn't. So anyway, I mean, they, they still got a pretty nice roster here. Uh, 17 players, two two-way contracts, and then they have their 15-man roster. So it looks like Jakar Sampson, Alizé Johnson will all be on the active roster. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how much Alizé is with the team or if he's traveling back and forth from Fort Wayne to Indianapolis again this year. I, I think he will be. Uh, it's just it's going to be so hard to find minutes. I thought – Hey, if someone made the most of their minutes this preseason, I think it was Alizé Johnson. I just think that, uh, unfortunately, there's just not enough minutes to go around where he's going to be traveling back and forth. You don't want him to just, like, rot away on the bench. You want him to still stay sharp and be in the game. I think the G League provides that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So today on the episode, we are going to be looking at each player and just give our expectations and hopes for this upcoming season, what we think they can do, and what we think their you know potential is for this season, and then we'll look at some things we want to see them improve on as well from the previous season if they've been in the league for a little bit. But let's start things off first here, Fachi, with the rookie, um, the guy everybody is so hyped to see, finally got some action against the Minnesota Timberwolves, Gogo Batase. Uh, what are your expectations for him this season? Well, Alex, aside from the, the turnovers, I was very impressed with Goga. I mean, it's understandable. I'm sure he was a bit nervous. Uh, you know, he didn't get to play in the summer league. It, it was the actual first, the real debut, and I was impressed. I thought he did a little bit of everything. Uh, we saw the three-point shooting, which, I mean, we had heard about, but we hadn't really seen that much about. He even registered a block. I think it was about four rebounds. I'm feeling pretty good about Goga this year. I think that... If given a, enough minutes, I think it's possible he could average maybe eight and five on the year, maybe about seven and four. I, I think it's definitely possible. I think this is someone where I don't think he's going to be consistent every night, but I think you're going to see flashes. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly how a rookie should be, who you're not starting on a daily basis. He's just 20 years old. I think all the potential is there. Uh, to to continue to progress, but for right now, I think given his role seven and four, eight and five, I don't think that's unrealistic. No, I think the biggest challenges for Goga this upcoming season will be the speed of the game, because yes. the NBA is a much faster pace than the Euroleague, and I'm worried about him getting in foul trouble because rookies tend to get in Great foul point. trouble as well. Those are my two biggest concerns. The guy can shoot the ball, he can pass. He can play in the post. I think offense will come to him pretty naturally. I think the whole game will just come to him naturally. Uh, overall, I just think he's a good basketball player, very smart. But I do think just a couple things, like I mentioned, the speed of the game and 
getting in foul trouble are going to be his biggest concerns. And, you know, just getting that familiarity with the players and the coaching staff as well, missing so much of the preseason, not being able to play in those games, just trying to, to figure out where he is on the court and what his role is. But I love seeing him knock down the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Love seeing him run the floor, being able to, you know, dunk and transition. It's just one of those things where I'm excited for Goga. And as far as points and rebounds go, I think he'll probably be up to eight rebounds a game. That's kind of my prediction for seven or eight. As a rookie? As a rookie. He's he's our only big off the bench. I mean, it's between him and TJ yeah. Leaf. I mean, he's uh, going to get the minutes. Okay. He's going to get them unless he gets in foul trouble, which could be a problem. But I think seven to eight is realistic. Point wise, I'm probably going to go seven to eight as well. So I'll go eight and eight yeah. for Goga for my expectations. Oh man, I, hey, that would be a pretty strong rookie season. I'd love it. Goga even mentioned, you know, maybe his conditioning needs to pick up a, a bit. It's understandable. He had the ankle injury, then you know, from not playing before. I think that's where the speed of the game related to the four fouls in 24 minutes. Uh, I do think that you know the best is yet to come. With Goga, and they actually uh, polled everybody around the GMs and some of the coaches in the NBA, and they ranked Goga as the third best steal in the draft. I, I saw that. Did you see the other uh, quotes that, that came out from that GM uh, survey or whatever uh, it is? Not sure specifically, but I know he was just behind Nikhil Alexander Walker and. No, no, no. In terms of steals, oh, steals, uh, steals. steals. From, from Gonzaga, blanking on his name a little bit. You liked him Brandon in the Clark. draft. Yes, Brandon Clark. Those yeah. were those were the only two guys that he was behind, and I think that's pretty awesome because for just playing one game, you could tell it, it caught the eyes of a lot of people. Yeah, I think Dan Burke was voted as the number one assistant coach. Gotta in love the it. NBA, which is just a fantastic sign right there. It shows how much he is valued. And then I think they said... We might have had, like, Malcolm Brogdon was the third uh, best acquisition under the radar Mm -hmm. acquisition. And then I think they also gave Nate McMillan some love for his coaching uh, of some sort. He was third in his ranking as well. So a lot of third-place votes for the Pacers, but great to see it. But speaking of Malcolm Brogdon, let's let's keep this thing going. Malcolm Brogdon is up next on our list of players. So what are your expectations for him this season? So you're talking about the president, Mr. 50-40-90 himself. <laughs> it's that line that almost feels near impossible to duplicate. But, hey, it's great to know that he is capable of it. Uh, I'm expecting kind of a, a bit of a breakout year for Brogdon. You know, he's pretty much like the fourth, you know, the fourth go-to player on the Bucks last year at times. You know, he averaged 15.6 points last year. I think he can get that up to maybe 17 on the year. And I think what we're really going to see a bit more of that I was impressed with was the distribution. Yeah. You know, he's a career 3.6 assist per game guy. I think he might be able to get that up between 6 and 7 if the ball isn't in Victor's hands too much upon coming back. So that excites me the most because, you know, the Pacers have been dying for a point guard, not a fill in the you know the gap guy uh, for two years at a time. This is our point guard moving forward, and I think that Brogdon's ready to take a leap forward. And I'm, I'm excited to see what's yet to come. I also, one thing I want to see him improve on, get to the free throw line more. Yeah, I think if Brogdon can get to the free throw line more, he's such a great free throw shooter that it's going to pay off for him. Uh, he averaged just about 2.4 attempts last year. If we can get it up to about four. I'd feel really good. Yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to his leadership without Oladipo on the floor. 
he mentioned that he felt like he was the modern day Nate McMillan, uh, which is just kind of a really cool thing to see. I love it. And, and here, so the fact that, you know, he plays like Nate played back in the day, so he's got a lot of the same understandings of how Nate wants his offense to be run. I think that that's a great thing to see. Really, there are no weaknesses to me with him. I guess the biggest weakness would be his injury concerns with that yeah. foot. You just don't want that to come back up. But just just be steady. It's what he is. He uh, I was listening to the Four Seasons podcast with their preview in the Pacers, and they said that Malcolm Brogdon is the most fun, boring player in the NBA, which is totally fine with us because he's just yeah. not flashy, no social media, but he's sure. a really good ball player. He's just good at basketball. So, you know, I, I would not be surprised if we see another 50-40-90 uh, season. Uh, even if it's not 50-40-90, I expect the numbers to be very similar because of how productive he is and how efficient he is as a player. Completely agree. I mean, it, it's great that the bar has been set so high that to even think if he shot, you know, 48%, 38%, and 88%, I mean, that's not a down year. That is a great stat line. So I think that it's great to know that we have a guy capable of that, and I feel like we're in good hands. Absolutely. Well, let's move on now to Aaron Holiday, another point guard for the Pacers. So the youngin moving from third string to backup point guard. I mean, it's obviously expected that he's going to see a lot more minutes this year. I think that having TJ McConnell pushing him from behind is only going to bring out the best in Holiday because he seems to be – a bit hot and cold. I think the one thing I want to see out of him more is consistency because I feel like we know Aaron Holiday can score, but I want to see him be able to do it a little bit more consistently. And also, I want to see if he's going to be a point guard of the future for the team, obviously while we have Brogdon for four more years. I want to see if he can distribute the ball more because yeah. we saw TJ McConnell really distribute the ball well in the preseason I would like to be able to see Aaron Holiday do things more than just score. So for Holiday, I, I think that if he can up his marks to anywhere at least of like a floor of like 10 points and four assists at the minimum, I'd feel good with that as like a big jump from year one to year two. But I also want to see the, the shooting percentages increase. He's about at 40% last year. If we can get that up to like 44, 45, I'd feel really good with uh, a year two step. Yeah, this is his job to lose to T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell outplayed him in the preseason. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if necessarily having McConnell in put pressure on him and he didn't handle the pressure very well. I'm not sure if he felt like he had to press to try to prove that he was more worthy of the minutes than McConnell. Um, I hope that's not something we see because he just needs to let the game come to him. And sometimes I actually like when he plays off the ball a little bit so depending on who's in the backcourt with him, it might be interesting. I might like to see him and Brogdon play a little bit together just because I know Brogdon can run the offense and then defensively Brogdon can guard twos because he's so big. might be fun to see them together. But I also think there's going to be times when we might see McConnell and Holiday together depending on the backcourt. I mean, if you look at a team like the Dallas Mavericks with – you know, J.J. Barea being someone who's like five foot nine, you know, they can go mm-hmm. smaller and having someone smaller like that can hurt you if you're if you're not good enough defensively to stay with them. So I could see the Pacers at times maybe playing a little bit smaller backcourt there with McConnell and Holiday together, especially if you've got injuries, that kind of sort of thing. But anyway, as far as the numbers go, I just want Holiday to be efficient. I'm not yes. worried about, you know, how many points he scores off the bench, you know, being a microwave type player. 
I just want him to play within the system and play the right way. He's a great defender. He's quick. He can stay in front of his guy. A little bit undersized, you know, for his position. But he can shoot the ball. He can get to the rim. He just needs to make sure that he's not so focused on what he's doing for himself, but how he can get his teammates involved. Because if McDermott's out there, you know he's going to be moving like crazy without the ball. You've got Mm -hmm. a diverse big and Goga. You know, um, TJ Leaf has worked on his three-point shot. Sumner has become a little bit you know, more consistent than he was the last couple of years. And Sumner's ready to prove that he's worthy of being on the court. So he's got nice pieces around him in that second unit. He just needs to stay within the system and play his game and not try to force too much. But yeah, I mean, I have a question for you about Aaron holiday because with what the way, with the way TJ McConnell played this, this year in the preseason, I know it's just preseason last year. A lot of teams were hot for Aaron holiday and the Pacers said they weren't trading him. Now that they've got Brogdon as their solidified point guard and they've got a you know backup they can trust in McConnell, does that make Aaron Holiday expendable in a trade? It's going to be unpopular to a lot of fans, but it does. Uh, Aaron Holiday is a huge luxury to the Pacers. I feel like McConnell is a good backup point guard in this league. And Aaron Holiday, I mean, it sounds like the Pacers were, they were shutting down you know, trades last year. It sounded like there was more than one call about Aaron Holiday, and all the potential is there. It's just, can they continue to develop him in a backup role? You know, can he, if he struggles, is he, how many opportunities is he going to consistently be given every every night? I mean, is this going to go on for 82 games? I don't think he's going to struggle like that. But I feel like TJ McConnell, I mean, he is a coach's son he is like (laughs) literally what you what a coach wants he'll take any role necessary it just seems like he's scratched and clawed to to stay in the league and make it this far where i think we know what to expect out of him on a nightly basis aaron holiday we're hoping for consistency and efficiency yeah no i agree with you completely and it's to me it's like you want holiday to play well especially with the opportunity to trade him because look the pacers uh, this power forward center position thing, it's going to be a, an experiment. And let's say it does not work with Sabonis and Turner. They just figure out that the mismatches are too much for them to handle, and they want to go out and get a power forward. They want to possibly trade Sabonis and somebody else to get a, an all-star level player back. You know, Holiday has a potential to get you something back in return that can really solidify your starting lineup. Now, I don't know who that would be. I don't want to make trade you know ideas right now we'll get to that when the trade deadline approaches later in the season but I do just think that that is something that the Pacers probably can feel a little bit more uh with holidays a little bit more expendable than he used to be but with that said his brother Justin is here let's look at his brother Justin and what we can expect from him this upcoming season so Justin Holiday, he is technically the veteran of the team he's 30 years old which is the oldest on the roster sounds kind of weird that 30 is the oldest but he's been around the block a little bit you know he won that championship with the warriors technically you know wasn't really getting (laughs) off the bench but he was in that locker room he was around a winning culture uh his last few years have actually been his best uh now he's not going to get the same minutes that he got over in Memphis and elsewhere. He was playing over like 32, you know, 32 to 35 minutes per game. I don't think that's going to be the case here. But I think that what he can bring is defense and energy on a nightly basis. Some things where if McDermott's slacking a bit, I think that, you know, Holiday is going to be the guy that you're expecting to, to pick up the slack on defense. Because obviously, yeah. you know, that's not McDermott's strong suit. 
Uh, I think that he's someone who can shoot the three. I think that he, you know, it depends if we can really get him in sync. But I think he's going to be ready to play every single night. Yeah, it's arguable that without Oladipo, and obviously not including Brogdon, that, you know, Justin is the wing, the team's best defender on the wing. And there's yeah. going to be times when they need him to be that force on the defensive end. And I think that sometimes you might see him getting minutes over Sumner in that backup role when they need someone to play defense. Uh, looking at a team like Orlando, someone that really just killed the Pacers last year was my guy, Terrence Ross. Oh, and, your guy. You know, mm-hmm. but if he's going off and you need someone to really stick with him in that second unit, I think that Holiday is your guy to throw on him instead of a Sumner because Sumner's still trying to figure it out. And I think, like you said, being a veteran. But I'll tell you yep. what, if you guys get a chance, look at how long Justin Holiday's arms are. I was at the game on Friday night against the Chicago Bulls, and he's out there, and he's just standing down there with his arms hanging down in a defensive position. And, I mean, they're just, like, hanging below his kneecaps, and he's not even doing anything. I'm just like, good grief, this guy has monkey arms. They're so long. And I, I think that that's something that I never even paid attention to, but I just love the length on him defensively. He's, like, six foot six, I think. But yep. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure what his uh, wingspan is, but it's got to be close to 6'11". And I think oh, yeah. that the Pacers not having Thaddeus Young – uh, losing Corey Joseph, they're going to need somebody that can really help solidify this defense, especially with Oladipo out for a while. We're not sure what he's going to be when he gets re- when he returns. So that's what I expect from him, just to be that defensive presence that can sometimes hit the occasional corner three. I don't expect much from him offensively, but I think yeah, he agreed. was purposely agreed. brought in here for defense. So uh, let's move on. Don't want to spend too much time on these backup role players, but Alizé Johnson is next. I, I think he pretty much hit the nail on the head when you mentioned Alizé in the preseason this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if there's anyone who made the most of their minutes, it's got to be Alizé Johnson. I've, I've talked about it before. A high-motor guy. It's no surprise that he led the team in plus-minus uh, last game and rebounds. I mean, he, this guy can pull down boards. Yeah, He had eight rebounds in the last game. I think in another game he might have had like 13, I think it was. Uh, it's going to be very hard to come across minutes. But I think that if he is given a, a chance in mop-up duty, I think he will make the most of it. I think the G League is where he's going to have to be to sharpen his game. I think we're going to at times see his numbers in the G League and be very impressed and be like, wow, I think this guy might be ready. But then you could bring him up and there might not just be an opportunity to play. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love what he's got at being you know, potentially like the 15th man of the team. Uh, I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, Alan Johnson – He's a fun guy to root for. He works hard. He's Mm -hmm. got a motor. He can add a spark to this team. Maybe if they're going through a little bit of a dull period throughout the season, you know, you need a guy to come in there and just kind of change things up, go out there and hustle. I think that his skill set does fit nicely with the Gogo Batase. I mentioned that a couple episodes ago, just Mm -hmm. the way he plays. He's not a consistent shooter. He's he's kind of like a a wannabe version of Thad Young. I uh, hate to say <laughs> yep. that, but he's just a, a junkyard dog, basically. Do whatever the coach asks. Not a great shooter. Not a great offensive player, but he just works hard. Thad's probably a little bit more skilled offensively than Alizé. Yes, yes, But I, I do think that Alizé is someone that the, the franchise obviously really you know, believes in, but at the same time, he's just not someone they can really trust right now with that second unit. So I agree he will be seeing a lot of minutes probably with the Mad Ants. Uh, maybe get some time with the Pacers, depending on injury concerns. You know, we've seen Goga go down with injury already this year. We've seen TJ Leaf have injury issues already. So they could be thin in that area for the backup four position. So 
he he might get a little bit of time there. I think he'll be on the radar, but uh, just a guy that I think is going to be good for the Mad Ants. So let's move on to the next one. Your guy, Mr. Fly Guy, Jeremy Lamb. Uh, I know that you're really high on him, so uh, what are you expecting uh, this season? I really him? am. Uh, six I've talked about it before. Lamb's coming off a career year in Charlotte, and he said all the right things. He'll buy into any role. He will be starting at the two-guard position uh, while Oladipo is out. And I see him as just like a leader, and when Oladipo comes back, being like like the, the scoring option on that second unit. Uh, I think that this is a luxury to have a guy like Jeremy Lamb, very capable defender, shot over 35% from three. Uh, I think that if he was the starter this year, I think it would be a career year. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, So I just feel like he gives us that option to know that you have essentially a starter-worthy player in that second unit. Uh, I've mentioned it time and time again that if he was coming off the bench from the start of the season, I do think he'd be in the running for sixth man of the year. Uh, My guess is that he's good enough to actually pretty much put up the same stats that he put up last year. Maybe around that fifteen and five. I think if if Oladipo comes back and is obviously you know playing great, maybe the numbers are a little bit less. But I think that the field goal percentage is more. So I I'm fully expecting Jeremy Lamb to be averaging between like thirteen and sixteen points, right around that five rebound mark. Uh, I'm very excited because I feel like there's going to be certain games where he really looks like a certified stud, and I stand by it. Jeremy Lamb leads us in scoring on opening night. <laughs> there we go, Fatch. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've noticed when I've watched the Pacers in preseason is Edmund Sumner has been the first guard off the bench and the first player off the bench, and I believe most of the time he's coming in for Jeremy Lamb, which means that with that second unit, they're inserting Lamb back into that second unit a little bit earlier to start the second quarter, which means that they want Lamb to be involved offensively with that second unit a little bit mm-hmm. more uh, based on how the rotations have been playing so far in preseason. But who knows what that means because we didn't see a lot of go-go. We didn't see a lot of holiday with McConnell, him splitting minutes, and him being sick on Friday versus the Bulls. So it could just be a matter of who they have and what they wanted to do. But that is something I look forward to seeing, uh, just the way that he continues to be a leader. He he said that he came to the Pacers knowing that he was going to become the sixth man, and he is willing to do whatever the coaching staff asks of him. He just wants to be a part of a winning franchise and a, a franchise that just has their stuff together. The Pacers are a solid franchise that gets the best out of their players. They do a great job developing players, and I think that we've seen improvement from Lamb every single season since his days in Oklahoma City. You know, with Houston, OKC, Charlotte, I mean, this guy has just not found a home yet that he can really call, you know, home, <laughs> a place where he can call home. And I think Indiana will be the perfect fit for him. I love this signing when it happened. I was beyond thrilled about it, and I'm just, I have high hopes for Jeremy Lamb this season. And uh, let's move on. The, the next one, our first TJ, TJ Leaf. Are you, are you got high hopes for TJ, or what do you think? Uh- I want to have high hopes for TJ. Uh, it, it seems like it's now or never, but they did pick up his team option, so clearly, you know, this isn't the never part of it. Uh, <laughs> despite missing the first two games, uh, he shot six of ten in the preseason. But what I was a little bit worried about was he was zero for one from three. I kind of wanted to see him take more three pointers after a rough three point shooting year last year. Uh, I was a little bit confused by that. Um, he's obviously has. 
the height being 6'10", to be a good rebounder. He pulled down six six boards the other night. It's nice to see. But at the same point, I want to see him go back to being able to stroke the three ball well. I mean, we're, we're going to give him the minutes to be that backup power forward. So it's like, come on. I mean, he's averaged roughly nine minutes per game in his first two seasons. I think he's going to be able to see a lot more minutes. Uh, so you should be able to improve on that. He's going to have a larger role. And I want to see scoring come with it, but I also want to see more defense yeah. come with it. That's the big thing. I hope that he's been working on his defense because, I mean, that that's going to be – it's going to be big. Every guy on this team is going to be asked to be a better defender than the previous year. And for TJ Leap, I mean, every fan's been waiting and waiting and waiting. I hope this is the year that he takes a step forward. Yeah, and this is no offense to Domas Sabonis, but I think that Bataza is probably a better defender, rim protector at least wise. Yep, I agree. So that'll I help agree. Leaf, I think, with that second unit. Like I mentioned before with Leaf, a lot of people are high on him, uh, especially his form, his teammates, his current teammates. Yes. And they've mentioned that they think that he could take a leap this year. I'm all for it. I just want to see it. I'm tired of talking about it. Same. Just go out there, kind of like I mentioned with Holiday. Just play within the system. Don't try to be somebody you're not. If you've got an open three, take it. Uh, good footwork. I really like the footwork that he has on offense. He's kind of crafty, more craftier than I expected him to be, and I think that he has developed. I just think he's one of those guys that was young, undeveloped, and you know whether he is a rotational player in the NBA going forward or not, that's up to him. He's got to prove it. Right now, he still hasn't proven that he should be guaranteed those minutes on a night-to-night basis. Agreed. But this is his chance to do it. The Pacers can obviously, you know, make a move, whether it's with Sampson or going smaller, whatever they want to do. They can figure it out if Leaf is not living up to expectations. But this is his position to lose, and I'm excited for his future. Uh, not really sure what numbers I expect from him, but just to be a, a positive instead of a negative. You don't want to be the guy on the court. Everyone's like, oh, get him off the court. He's getting killed every night. So Exactly. Uh, that That's just kind of my thoughts on him. Do you have anything else? I do. The creepy goatee is gone, <laughs> and I think that we could turn the page on a new chapter. There we so go. So for that, I turn positive. With turn leaf. the leaf. Exactly. That's good. That's good. <laughs> this is cringeworthy. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we've got about eight more players to look at here, so we've got to do these uh, next ones quickly. But T.J. McConnell, um, much to say here, third-string point guard, anything else? Yeah, I was impressed. T.J. McConnell was, I know it's preseason, but T.J. McConnell is one of the guys that I felt confident in that saying, this is our third point guard. Like, this is a luxury to have. Great ball movement in uh, the preseason so far. I think that he's going to be someone who makes his teammates better. I don't think that he cares about scoring. He cares about winning and setting teammates up. I think it's a luxury to have him over there. He's going to light a fire under Aaron Holiday's butt, and I, I just think that he's someone who historically has shot well. For being an undersized point guard, he's typically shot around that 49-50% from the field, which is impressive, and I think that he's someone who... This is someone who makes all of his teammates better. He doesn't care about scoring. So I just feel like he's a luxury to have as a third-string point guard. He's playing a bit of a veteran role in the team despite not being you know, so old or anything like that. He's someone who just – it's a luxury to have, period. He almost feels like an extension of a coach, being a coach's son, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, that, hey, T.J. McConnell, he impressed me this preseason. 
Yeah, I'm all I'm all for TJ McConnell as the third string point guard. Um, if he was our second string, I'd be okay with that too. I think he can serve that role for what it's meant to be. He gets guys involved. I think that he would be a better backup point guard if the bench was a little bit stronger with Lamb on the bench. But at the end of the day, you know, he gets the job done. He's a great defender, great hustle player, not a great shooter. So teams can, you know, point that out, make that a focal point, force him to shoot, whatever. That's not his strength. But he will run the offense. He will do what McMillan asked him to do. And sometimes Holiday can be a little bit, you know, trigger happy. And I think that can get under McMillan's skin a little bit where he's like, bro, I want you to run the offense, Aaron. Quit quit trying to put up points for yourself. I mm-hmm. want you to be aggressive, but in the right moments. And I think that if if Aaron gets in Nate's doghouse, it, it won't be hard for Nate to make that move to McConnell because he trusts him. Like you mentioned, a veteran that's proven that he is worthy of minutes. And, you know, uh, I, I think he'll just be ready whenever he's called upon, similar to Al Jefferson and Kyle LeQuinn the last couple of years. Uh, just somebody I expect to be ready when called upon, knowing they're not a normal rotation player. But... The next guy, Doug McDermott. Uh, I'll do this one real quick, Fosh, and I'll let you talk about him after I go through. But mm-hmm. uh, McDermott, I, I said that I would rather see Holiday and Sumner together with Aaron um, on that second unit. And I mentioned it on Twitter, said I still want to see it. I, I like the defensive uh, potential with those three together on the court, Justin, Aaron, and Edmund. And Tony East mentioned back uh, to me in a reply that we are underselling how well McDermott moves out the basketball and how that is so important to the the pace of the offense. And honestly, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you saw the way McDermott played the last two home games in the preseason, I really enjoyed it. He he moved without the basketball. He's always looking to get open. And I think that you always have to worry about him because he is such a great shooter. Teams can't leave him open. You know, they're not saying, here, go ahead, Doug. But at the same time, Doug was played off the court in that playoff series against Boston. So, you know, Doug has been moved around a lot throughout the NBA, kind of been a journeyman, and I think there's a reason why, because he's not a guy that you desperately need to have on your team, but you know he's not a negative influence, he's a good locker room guy, good shooter, you always need good shooting, but a lot of teams have good shooting no matter who they are, so um, anyway... I'm all I'm all for having him in that second unit just to help get the movement going because I think he can do that. Just purely consistency. Just be consistent. His home and road splits last year, it made no sense. When is a guy ever better on the road shooting threes? It's when you're a known three-point shooter, that's just so uncommon. I think in the last game it was great to see him go four for five from three. I think that, obviously you mentioned, his movement without the ball is so key that he's going to be just fine. Oh, sorry about that. I sorry. thought my mic was when, on there. <laughs> no, when, when you... I, I muted it for a second. I apologize, everybody. So for that awkward silence, I do apologize. Uh, um, but anyway, moving on. The next guy, if he's not busy singing songs to Nicole Scherzinger and making her cry, uh, he's going to be basically uh, a part of the team as a coach an influencer, and that is our guy Victor Oladipo. Uh, until he gets back, we're unsure of when he will be back. What are your expectations for Oladipo this season? So the man everybody wants to hear about, thingamajig himself. I mean, by the time his debut happens, it'll be close to a year since the injury. I love the route the Pacers are taking, having him be close to 100% by the time he returns. Uh, I think the Pacers have the luxury of being able to ease him in and not have him do too much because – 
you have capable guys around him that you added, like Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren. So I think that we can have him kind of round into all-star form right around the all-star break. I think, you know, it's going to be tough for him to make another all-star game, but I think that he should be able to get back to where he was last year, right around that 18 to 20 points per game mark. Uh, But it's a defense that I want to see. I I think that he's going to be a much better three-point shooter and free-throw shooter because I think that he really, really worked on that while not being able to necessarily move without the ball. So I'm very excited to see what he shoots from the free-throw line, from the three-point line, and hey, I think that Oladipo is going to be just fine. Yeah, so my biggest concern to Oladipo, I just want him to come back and I want him to feel good. I don't want him to be worried about injuring the quad tendon Mm -hmm. again. I mean, you, you saw with Paul George when he came back after the broken leg, started out real hot, and then he just kind of fell off towards there in the middle of the season. It took him a while to get back, hit that wall. I know that the conditioning for Oladipo might not be um, something that we're looking at, but that could be a problem as well because he's might not be in complete game shape with yeah. the you know inability to practice and scrimmage fully. Now, I expect them to be very cautious about this and not mm-hmm. rush him back because, like you mentioned, they do have the depth to kind of mask that hole until he gets back. So... I'm all for Oladipo returning this season. I expect him to at least be 75% of who he was two years ago by the end of yeah. the season. I don't want to put too much on him because this is a lot to ask. I just want him to come back, be healthy, make a difference, and not feel like he has to carry this team, put too much pressure on him where he's overextending himself. I know he's a hard worker. He's a smart basketball player. I expect nothing but you know greatness when he's on the court. Yes, he might not play every night. There might be games where he sits out just to let him rest and not take it too serious and not put too much strain on that injury. But, yeah, Pacer fans don't expect Oladipo to be back to who he was two years ago, possibly at all this season. I mean, look at Gordon Hayward last year. Uh, Everybody was expecting big things, and he just never got to that point. So now the expectations for Hayward this year are a little bit higher because people are hoping Mm -hmm. after a year of going through that and getting back into shape and whatever – he'll feel more comfortable. And I think that's the case for Oladipo. I think that things will be okay. Just give it time and don't don't get upset too early if he's not the player he was two years ago. That's that's all I'm going to say. I'm sorry for rambling. but No, I don't know. I completely agree. I mean, just think about it. Last year it was like he had that initial knee injury, and I, I do think that it lingered throughout the season, and I don't want that to be the case. I mean, even if you look at what the Mavs are doing, they're already saying that Porzingis probably isn't going to be playing back-to-backs. And yeah. that's that's about a year and a half. I know it was an ACL injury, but a year and a half after his injury, so the Pacers should just take it easy with, with Oladipo. Hey, you know, you're I think you're already doing your justice, letting him sit out longer than you know than it maybe should be. But at the same point, he doesn't need to play in all the back to backs. We're going to be just fine. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So let's move on to a guy that's been given a bigger role this year, and that is our guy Domas Sabonis. Fachi, what are your expectations for the big man coming into the starting lineup? I I have not hit it at all that I think the world is a bonus. I want to see him be more physical, more aggressive. I think that there's a lot that he can improve upon and that he will improve upon with the extended minutes. He had played about 25 minutes per game in the past. I think that the, you know he should be looking at anywhere from you know maybe even close to 10 minutes more per game. I'd say. He could be right around, you know, maybe 35, 33 minutes, whatever it is. 
just improve on free throw shooting because I think that Sabonis is someone who can get to the line much more. Just about four attempts per game last season. I don't know why that he can't get that up to about seven. I want to see him be aggressive yeah. because I feel like he has a smooth game at times that I want to see him call for the ball, the ball more and attempt more threes. I mean, going nine for 17 last year shows that he has three-point capabilities. He can do that. I would like to see him potentially shoot about 50 threes on the year. I don't think that's that crazy to ask, um, and I think that would be solid progress. I think that he's someone who last year when you go 9 for 17, you're shooting like 57% for three. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But I think that he could be someone who could shoot in the high 30s. I mean, if he's shooting about 37%, I think that that would add a lot to this team. Yeah, and, and for me, like honestly, I don't care how many threes he shoots. Uh, sure, if he can hit them at a consistent rate, then go ahead and take them when you're open. But I would like to see how he's involved offensively. I believe that he's going to be the main ball handler with the pick and rolls and the dribble handoffs. We've talked about that. My biggest thing is, based on matchup-wise, I want to see him take advantage of weaker opponents in the post. If we're going to, yes. if he's going to be playing that power forward position, and Call there's going to be teams like Boston who's you know, got Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum on them because they're going small ball and they only have one center. You got to take advantage of that. But I also want to point this out. It's going to be in my preview. So here's a little sneak peek for you. I've noticed a lot of times, even going to last year, teams would put the better post defender on Thaddeus Young and put a perimeter defender on Miles Turner because Miles Turner does not do well in the post. It's just not part of his game. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. With that being said, I would not be surprised if centers defense a bonus on the offensive end and put their power forward on Miles Turner, someone they expect to stretch the floor more. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, Sabonis is about as good as, you know, most starting centers in the NBA. You know, not necessarily like the top five or ten, but he is a he would be a top 20 center, in my opinion, if he was the starting center of the Pacers. And then the biggest yes. thing for Sabonis is just defensively. How is he going to do guarding, you know, fours that can put the ball on the floor, uh, fours that can shoot the three? That's putting him out of position. We saw it a little bit with the Thunder. It was his rookie year playing next to Steven Adams. I don't expect him to, you know, be as bad as he was then because he was a rookie. And he's been Mm -hmm. in the league long enough now to know what to expect. He's guarded guys on the perimeter before. He moves his feet well. I think he's smart enough to do it. I just don't know if he's talented enough to do it. And I think this first matchup against Blake Griffin will be a big challenge because Blake Griffin is probably a top five, top ten power forward in the NBA. He is. Possibly a top 20 player in the NBA when he's fully healthy. He is the uh, the triple threat. He can shoot the three. He can put the ball on the floor. And he can play in the post when he needs to. So big challenge for Sabonis. I'll be excited to see how he does against him. A little nervous, to be honest with you. Yes, and also Blake Griffin can even distribute the ball. Well, he really does it all. But right. also just uh, a thing that I want to see him improve upon when you're talking about defending, he's never going to be a shot blocker. And I think it gets masked at times because of how well Miles Turner defends the rim. But being at .4 blocks per game for his career, it's like, ah, I'm not asking for one block a game, but can you up that up to maybe .7, .8? You got to show a little bit more, and I think it'll come in extended minutes. But it's something I want to be able to see him improve upon, the defense. Just be aggressive. And I, I wouldn't even be a, opposed to him kind of being similar to the verticality rule of Roy Hibbert. 
just uh, challenge guys it. at the rim. Don't foul. Go hand straight up. Don't worry about blocking shots, but maybe alter shots. Just be aggressive at the rim and don't mm-hmm. try to swipe at the ball. Go straight up. Play solid defense. I'm sure he's getting that coaching from Dan Burke, the number one coach, assistant coach in the NBA, per the GM uh, report. But anyway, uh, I think there's a lot of high hopes for Sabonis and still waiting on that extension. I've mentioned about every episode, but tick-tock, the clock is ticking. All right. Run out of time. Our, uh, our our next guest that we're going to be looking at here, he feels like a guest because he's not going to be seeing the court much, is Jakar Sampson. Uh, not much to say here. I think he's probably the odd man out with Alizé Johnson. Don't expect him to be in the G League, but somebody that they will use as a third-string center and a third-string power forward. Completely agree. Uh, you know, he's going to be – minutes are going to be very hard to come by. He's kind of been looked at as a fringe NBA player. I mean, you mentioned last episode he was on the verge of signing in China. Uh, I do think that he is someone who takes advantage of extended minutes. They're just going to be very hard to come by. Uh, what I loved it in game two against the Kings, I mean, we saw him hitting – you know, he went two for two from three, uh, six of ten shooting, 15 points. He showed that. I mean, I know I, I've mentioned before that four-game sample size with Chicago showed that if he's given the ball and if he's given minutes, he can produce. I just don't know where we're going to find those minutes. I think that he's going to be someone who will come in on mop-up duty with you know the last like two minutes in a game, if possible. I think the G League would be something that would very much benefit him. But, hey, he's a good guy to have on the team. Uh, he's going to work his butt off to stay in the NBA but I think that he is the definition of a fringe NBA player who one night he might look like an NBA player, the next it might look like he'd be better served, you know, maybe somewhere else. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, you're right. Kyle O'Quinn treatment is what he will get with the Pacers. They're just so deep. And I, you know, uh, Samson might have been a player. You know, you look at the Jordan Hill days with the Pacers, you know, Samson might have been able to get some minutes in that team, that roster. But this team right now is looking to be a little bit more of a playoff threat Hoping to get a home court advantage. I just don't see Samson really breaking that rotation unless TJ Leaf just completely loses his position altogether with that backup uh, power forward position. So let's move on to another guy that's a backup, Edmund Sumner. Fachi, I'll let you take this one first. Fan favorite. I mean, I think a lot of guys have that soft spot for Edmund. They were happy to see him get that, you know, have his old contract ripped up and get a new one. Uh, the potential is definitely there. But so is the depth on the wings for this Pacers team. Uh, another guy where, you know, as you mentioned before, you saw him kind of being the first guy coming off the bench for Jeremy Lamb. Obviously, when Oladipo comes back, Sumner's going to be the guy who gets pushed back even more. I think if an injury, which you never, ever want to wish and or hope happens, or an opportunity just in itself presents itself, he's going to make the most of it. Yeah, uh, It's just how can we get him consistent minutes to get him in sync I think if you're only going to give Sumner one or two shots, there's no guarantee that he's ever really going to get in a flow. So yeah. that's that's the tough part. But I, I do like what the kid has. Clearly, the Pacers are high on him uh, moving forward. That's why they didn't want him to hit free agency. Uh, it's just a matter of can you find him some minutes to fit in. Hard worker, somebody that you know is going to earn his minutes. They're not given to him because they're not. Justin Holiday sitting right there, and I believe this franchise has invested in him because they believe in his game, they believe in mm-hmm. his potential. He he sees himself as a point guard, but he's been given the role as a shooting guard because of his length. 
He played point guard in college. I think he has the ability to play both. Uh, that's why I like him and Holiday together because they're both young. They're both athletic. He he probably, to me, is a little bit more under control sometimes than Holiday, but I think Holiday's got more upside. But I like at, it. The end of, at the end of the day, I just expect him to go out there, play his role, do his thing. He's not a game changer in my opinion, but he is someone that no. will give you hustle and he will play the game the right way and how the Pacers want their players to play it. So let's move on. Two more left. Watch it. This is taking us longer than I think we expected, but um, the guy in the middle, Mr. Miles Turner. What are your expectations for the big fella this year? Look, Miles has all the potential in the world. I love nothing more than the fact that he openly is on a quest to be the defensive player of the year. I think that's the perfect mentality to have. I think last year finishing fifth is going to – and I think that humbled him to know that he has more to work on. But this has to be the year that you get away from averaging like 12 or 13 and like six and seven rebounds. I want to see Miles Turner take that next step forward to be able to average, you know, close to like 15 and nine, 15 and eight, something where he's more aggressive in the post. We know Miles can shoot. Can he bring it in the post? So that's something that I'm very interested to see. Uh, He always has, I feel like those 10 game stretches where he'll be dominant to the point where you almost call him like a Samurai Miles or Ponytail Miles. I, I want to just call him Miles Turner and just and not have it labeled as what style of Miles it was for like a ten game stretch and just be able to do it consistency. Consistently, Mass we miles had like was pretty fun. Th- there was there were so many Miles. I just want to see Miles Turner himself. Uh, I think that this is the year you've seen him take a little bit more threes each year. Last year is like two point six. I think we can get that number up a little bit to around four. Uh, and I think at that point, I mean, he shot up until about the last few games of the season, he was right around 40% from three. So I think that that's something that he can do a little bit more volume. I think Miles is ready for a step forward this year. Yeah, and you mentioned a good point there about wanting to see him be a little bit more established in the post. I don't necessarily think that's something we can count on because I don't think that's who Miles is at all. And it just feels all awkward I agree. to watch. Uh, it is. I don't want. I don't want him to try to force something that he doesn't have because at the end of the day, uh, I'd rather him just play his game. And I know I've said that a lot this podcast, so I apologize. But you know, the only time I really want to see him in the post is when he gets a smaller defender on him, like we mentioned, with them putting the smaller wings on him or post players. You know, when they put their center on Sabonis, who are they putting on Turner? Well, if they're putting Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or Gordon Hayward on him. He needs to take advantage of that in the post. I mean, defensively, we know Miles is a solid defender. He's a great rim protector. There's going to be times, though, when there are cross matches where he's going to have to play on the perimeter while Sabonis is guarding the big on the defensive. And just because I think if you're in transition, you know, long rebound, you guys are trying to get back on defense, you're not going to be able to switch right away on everything. So there's going to be times when those two guys have that cross matchup and they're not able to defend how the Pacers defensively want to scheme everything with Turner guarding the five. So at the end of the day, I just think offensively needs to shoot more threes. If he's got the ability to attack a slower defender off the dribble, he's got the potential to do that. He needs to do that more. But just play his game. Let these guys get him set up. I think that he is 
got a much better chance offensively to shine this year with having more offensive players on the court, guys that can create their own shots and set him up. And we mentioned last week that he might be the fifth option on this team, but if you guys got if you got guys like TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis, you know, creating for themselves offensively, Turner can be the beneficiary of that, whether he's in the dunker spot. Uh, getting hand or getting you know dump off passes from Sabonis or whether he's stretching the floor uh, in a pick and roll situation and he hits the open three. This is a year for Turner to blossom offensively. I personally believe even if he's not the main focal point of the pick and roll pick and pop situation. So uh, uh, Turner has got to prove that he is worthy offensively of the eighteen million dollars that he's making every year. And I just hope that there is no animosity between him and Sabonis if Sabonis is the focal point on offense and Turner is the odd man out. Couldn't have said it better myself. I do think that is something that we all have to look at where Sabonis' success on the offensive end could be looked at as why isn't Miles doing that more? And I think that they need to just at all times remain teammates, brothers, however you want to put it. Yeah, absolutely. So our last player here, we're going to do this one real quick. The guy we stole from Phoenix, T.J. Warren, Fachi. What do you so, think about T.J. Warren this year? What What you meant to call him was the human bucket, all right? Because that <laughs> man can score. I, I think just still that first game against the Kings was just everything that you wanted to see. He drops 30, the, the shot to tie it, uh, to go to overtime. Uh, I think that this year we're going to see that this last year wasn't a fluke three-point-wise. Because last year was really the big year where he took a step forward from three. Uh, I think that we know he can score, but I want to see him defend. Yeah, uh, Brogdon was even saying today that he can defend when he when he wants to or if he's, he's really asked to defend. Well, we're going to have to ask him to defend. I, I hope that he does. I think that he's someone where uh, he's not going to get as many shots in Phoenix. I don't think it's, we're going to be playing winning basketball. This isn't what they teach out in Phoenix where you win, you know, 20, 25 games a year. This is Indiana Pacer playoff basketball. So I want to see him. I think his numbers might take a little bit of a hit. I think instead of 18 to 20 points, he's right around maybe 16. But I think what he can do with that is remain a consistent shooter from the field. He's always shot a great uh, field goal percentage. Just don't be too ball dominant and buy into defense. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, there's a reason I picked – T.J. Warren with my first pick in the NBA. Well, not my first pick, my second pick in the NBA fantasy draft that we did here for the Pacers uh, roster here is because I believe in his ability to get buckets. I believe in his ability to rebound the basketball. Uh, There's Mm going to be times where he's used as a stretch four. I truly believe that he is a great addition for this team, and I think he will be the offensive option uh, while Oladipo is out, the number one scorer for this team. He's just a great shooter. He's actually looked a little bit more to pass the ball in the preseason than he had when he was with the Suns. I know one of the Suns uh, Suns fans' biggest complaints was his tunnel vision. Uh, didn't really like see the court when he was trying to attack off the dribble. Now, I still think that there is some of that in him just because those are hard habits to break, but I have noticed yes. that he has been more willing to kick out of things when he needs to, which just shows that he's all in. I think having David West as a mentor, someone that was a part of the Pacers franchise, and the success of the franchise is really upon David West's shoulders because of the leadership he brought to this team. You know, David West, this is a great opportunity for you. Get out of that joke of a franchise, Phoenix and go mm-hmm. to Indiana where there's structure, where there is development, where there is you know potential to be in the playoffs. You know, I know it's the Eastern Conference compared to the West, but 
at the end of the day, I mean, this franchise is a historic franchise for success. Warren has a real opportunity here to be the league's most improved player, especially if he can put up similar numbers that Bojan put up last year. I mean, people have been praising Bojan all offseason for carrying the load while Oladipo was out. Well, if the Pacers continue to win games and Bojan's not here, Thad Young's not here, and T.J. Warren is the guy that's leading the team in scoring, people will be saying the exact same thing about T.J. Warren. I think this is a breakout year for him. I expect big things, and I am calling it right now. He is my lock for most improved player of the year. I think the only thing that hurts him is that he averaged so much in Phoenix. I mean, when but, you've but already see, averaged is people like know that those were, those were false numbers. I, I completely agree. If he's agree. scoring 18 or 19 on the paces and leading them in scoring on a winning team, that'll change everything. I completely agree. I think the true NBA fan will see that and be like, okay, he can do it on a losing team, on a winning team. From a sheer number standpoint, I think they'll be like, oh, he was consistent. But obviously, yeah, there's going to be less shots to go around. So if he can still do the same thing, then that's very impressive. Right, right, right. So, I mean – it's my pick. I might be a little bit of a homer here, but I just <laughs> truly believe in his ability as a basketball player. And nothing against Phoenix. I just think that they were never going to use him the right way. He's never. in the right system, and, you know, it just is what it is. But, all right, Fachi, that wraps up that segment. It was about 55 minutes, so we will make our second and final segment relatively short, but we're going to pick our winner of the poster giveaway made by Alex Riley on Instagram. So if you entered the contest, we're picking our winner, and we have a very special guest coming up on our next segment. So uh, stay tuned, Pacers fans. We'll be right back. All right, what's going on, Pacer Nation? We are back here on Setting the Pace, our final segment, and we are going to pick our winner for our poster contest on Instagram. But before we do that, we have a very special guest with us today, Fachi. I'll let you do the honors here of introducing our guest. So everybody today making her podcast debut, we have my girlfriend, Amy, a.k.a. Babe. Amy, how are you doing today? Hello, everybody. I'm doing great. Well, that is, that's great to hear. We are excited to have you on. And as some of you guys might not know, I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and Amy is a Washington Nationals fan. And her Nationals just completely dominated my Cardinals. Uh, I stayed up late every single night to watch my Cardinals not even get a hit. And the, the Nationals just <laughs> literally took my Cardinals team and put them through the shredder. And it was just really sad to watch. So, uh, But as far as the Nationals go, I mean, that's, that's a great story for them. And I'm going to let Amy do a little bit of bragging here about her Nationals. Yeah, so I mean, all I really have to say is uh, happy birthday, Bryce Harper. Um, <laughs> I mean, what what great timing for this, uh, you know, biggest dub of our lives. Um, yeah, so Michael and I were at the game, and it was absolutely electric in that in that stadium. And you know, it's something I think we're never going to forget. It was an incredible moment, an incredible series. Uh, for us Nats fans, and, you know, just something awesome to see. How, how are you going to let Foch walk in there with a New York Mets hat on? 
<laughs> yes, Alex, I didn't know if you knew that. I was surrounded. It was about 44,000 Nats fans. I was the only Mets fan. I even had one guy whisper in my ear, let's go Mets. My girlfriend wouldn't let me wear anything. I was like, hey, this was our compromise. I was able to wear the hat, not the jersey. Oh yeah, it was almost a Mets jersey, so oh, we gross. should all be thankful that it was just a hat. That's ridiculous, Flatch. Let it go, man. Let the Nationals have their moment. <laughs> we'll have our time again. We'll rise. <laughs> all right, so we have let Amy pick the winner of our contest. So if you are mad at who she picks and it's not you, you can at her on Twitter or on Instagram. What's your What's your handle? Is it Amy Beth Craig? Is that what it is? Uh, on in- Instagram, you can find me at amybethcraig32. So if you're mad at her for not picking you, go ahead and just comment below and say, thanks a lot, Amy. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, fake drum roll here, but go ahead and give us the winner of the Miles Turner Domas Bonus Instagram poster giveaway. The winner is AJ Reese 13 There you go, AJ. Congratulations. We will have that shipped out to you, and we will get your uh, mailing information ASAP. So Amy is actually a Knicks fan who has been so miserable that she has converted to the Indiana Pacers side of things, and I think we have a lot. Uh, does Spotcha does get some credit for that? Oh, 100%. He has pulled me out of the dark times of the New York Knicks, and now we're uh... – on our way to making me a part of Pacer Nation, so happy to be here. That's that is awesome. Who's your favorite Pacer? Um, honestly, Edmund Sumner. Okay, what what about Sumner? Do you like? He shouted us out. Okay, I he, like we got it. that autograph. He shouted us out. Amy was at a game. It was uh, the Pacers versus the Wizards. We met Edmund Edmund Sumner after the game. Edmund was a class act, gave us a shout-out, which you, which some of you guys have seen before. And, you know, ever since then, Amy's had a soft spot for Edmund, always trying to get him more minutes, and we're rooting for him. Was was Fachi wearing a Wizards jersey there for his Wizards? No. Absolutely that not. That will never be allowed, ever. It would never be a thing. I don't own one fabric of Wizards clothing. <laughs> I thought you were a Wizards fan, a Wizards shirt, though. I did snag her a shirt in the crowd. I, I got those Justin Holiday lanky arms. I was able to reach her and, and snag one of those shirts, so that was good. That's awesome. Okay, so I've got a, a funny story to share with you guys that my wife was telling me today. Uh, she told me that at work, uh, a couple came up to her counter, and the guy had an eye patch on, and... Her, he went to the restroom, I guess, and so the woman was telling my wife what happened with the story, and it made me laugh. So apparently, she was trying to help him put eye drops in his eye, and somehow she grabbed the bottle of super glue next to the eye drops instead, and literally dropped super glue into his eye. So they had to what? scrape it oh off God. the eyeball, and. Oh, my God. Wearing, I will never pa- do that to a, you. He's wearing a patch now. And so she said, I hope he still wants to marry me. So my question for you two, being the lovely couple on the show, Fachi, <laughs> if she ever put super glue in your eye, would you forgive her? <laughs> uh, a funny story, actually. Amy can't put eye drops in her <laughs> eye, so I have to put them in her eye. 
but I will make sure to never make that mistake because that is the most horrifying story I've ever heard. <laughs> so well, I very much value my vision, and I would appreciate if no uh, super glue was ever put in my eyes. That is so <laughs> funny. And then I guess there's more yes. to the story. So when he went to the restroom, I guess the power went out. And so he came out and was like, that was crazy. The power went out. And I guess her boss said, I wonder if he thought he was blind for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a scary moment where you're pretty much begging for those lights to come oh, on. Oh, man. I was dying laughing. I just – can you imagine that? Someone dropping soup. How do you do that? I mean, how in the world do you mix the two Yeah, lights? that's where I'm perplexed on this. Where's the mix-up in that? <laughs> it, it makes zero sense to me. Uh, I know this is a Pacers podcast, but we're towards the tail end of it. So if people are upset about us not talking Pacers right now, I apologize. But <laughs> – uh, just got to share some funny stories because this is our first time ever communicating. But uh, I feel like you didn't really give your Nationals much justice. You're not really hyping them up that much. I mean, what are your World Series expectations? Um. Well, I, like many others, have a lot of faith right now. Um, I did not see this coming at all. Um, as of May 23rd, they had a record of 19 and 31. And they stood a 0.1% chance of getting to where they are right now. So uh, Nats fans are shocked, but incredibly happy. Yeah, no, for sure. And I tell you what, as a Cardinal fan, I was watching the Brewers game when you guys were playing the Brewers in that wild card. And I was like, I really want the Nationals to win because I hate the Brewers being in the NL Central. And the way that you guys won that game, I was like, there's just something special about the Nationals. But that's going to be tough to go to the the Dodgers and beat Los Angeles in in L.A. You know, they had the best record in the entire MLB all year long. So, I mean, just a a great, great team in the past decade. I mean, they've been awesome in the playoffs. And then when I saw that you guys won off a grand slam in extra innings, I said, Oh, man, this is not good for the Cardinals. I said, I don't even feel good. We just scored 13 runs or 10 runs in one inning against the Braves, which was just amazing. But I was like, there's just something special about this Nationals team this year. And to be honest with you, I think they're going to win the World Series this year. It just feels like they are destined for greatness. So, yeah, I think there's definitely something special about this team. You know, everybody came into this season pretty uh, nervous as we lost Bryce Harper um, to the Phillies. So everybody kind of came in like, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to play out? Um, But I think just a lot of different combinations on the team. We have some really young kids and we have some older vets. Um, and this kind of is just the magic mix of Nats players, I guess, um, to get us to where we are. I don't, I don't think anything crazy special happened. It's just, you know, sometimes you get lucky. This is your year, and mm-hmm. I truthfully believe this is our year. I'm yeah. praying to the baseball gods that we make it through this. So, well, Fancha, you're a Mets fan. Do they have a better record than the Phillies this year? The Mets? Yeah. Uh, no, just just below them. Just so. so the Phillies ended up getting the third seed in the in the NL East. I thought you yeah, guys were right believe, there for a while. The Mets were just, just behind them. I think it was by like a game. I think the Mets had 86 wins. The Phillies might have been at 87. Uh, but I feel better about the Mets moving forward than I do the Phillies because we didn't really spend any money last year. So yeah. Phillies spent quite a lot and didn't get anywhere for it. So let's go Mets. <laughs> oh, get out of here with your Mets talk. It's not about the Mets. Get out of here. Uh, Champs of 69-86. Don't forget it. Yeah, I okay. hear it every day. It's, it's been about 33 years, <laughs> Fodge. Let it go. But uh, but anyway, so yep. 
As as we wrap up this podcast, uh, what are your expectations for the Pacers this season? I know Sumner is your guy, but uh, what are your expectations for this team this year? I am actually really excited to see what they're going to do. Um, you know, they I think had a pretty good off season. They're doing well in the po- or preseason. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of faith, and it's going to be nice to root for a team that can win, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. (laughs) Do you you think they make the playoffs? Oh, of course. 100%. Okay, I like that. Because some people seem to be a little bit skeptical of the Pacers making the playoffs this year. I mean, I'm surprised hearing some people say they don't even think they'll make the playoffs. I I get that there are some concerns about Oladipo being there, but... I felt like they did a good job this offseason adding new pieces to the team. So uh, you saw that that video we posted on our Setting the Pace account from mm-hmm. Zach Lowe, didn't you, Fudge? Yeah, I did. Guys like Zach Lowe, I mean, I understand them being, uh, you know, a, a bit cautious. And I think people who have not watched the Pacers at all just look at, oh, Oladipo's hurt, they're in trouble. Well, there's a lot more to this team. I, I think that if you even looked at – you know, how they were still able to win 48 games last year with Oladipo going down in January makes me feel that that coupled with this offseason, the Pacers should be right back where they are, if not even one or two wins better. Yeah. So I think this is a team that not only makes the playoffs, but gets out of the first round. That's that's what I would love to see. I'm tired of seeing first-round exits. Uh, it's really frustrating, mm-hmm. especially you invest so much time into the season just to get bounced in the first round because you don't have guys that are – at that star level, uh, you know, that you need for the playoffs. But uh, my last question for you, Amy, uh, Miles Turner or Domas Sabonis? If you had to pick one, who are you picking? Miles Turner. Ooh, that's going against Fotch. I am Team Sabonis, but at the same point, she, you know, she's her own thinker and everything, and if she's going Miles Turner, then, you know, I guess we're going to have a little bit of rivalry this year. No, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm all for it. I want both of them to succeed. All right, I'll let you... is great. Is great. Yeah, they're they're both great and they're both completely different players. So it just it's just fun because I know Fachi's such a Sabonis guy. I wanted to see how much you guys were in were intact together there. <laughs> no, hey, we we can agree on one thing. That's the Pacers. All right, so you know, <laughs> no, we that's can agree the only on thing you guys more. can agree on is the yeah, Pacers. Yeah, we agree on much more. Don't worry. <laughs> what what are you making I'm for dinner? Fachi, you're making dinner. Oh. You can't smell it through through this, uh, you know, your your phone, Spotify, YouTube, whatever you're listening through. But Babe was cooking up a storm. Tell us what do we have for dinner tonight? Uh, just some homemade tomato and cheese sauce with some spaghetti. So, mm-hmm. sounds very that is nice. homemade sauce. Homemade, nothing, out, homemade. nothing out of a jar, freshly right, made. So I, I remember Fachi, didn't you make some uh, Valentine's Day dinner this year? I did, I did, yep, that was quite the meal, Put broke out all the tricks, even had someone walk in the, the door and say, what is that, that smells good, and I literally took a bow. Was it, was it good? I will give him credit on the Valentine's Day meal, that was, that was good. Who, who's good the job. better cook? Oh, it's babe, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> yeah. That's the correct that is the correct answer well it's been fun talking to you uh Fach, do you have any final words before we sign off here my final words are the, the same words i use every episode let's go pacers all right peace out pacer nation we'll talk to y'all next week
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.